Hey everyone, John here. Just a quick word of warning. Uh, we will be spoiling this film in its entirety, so if you have not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled for you, uh, just hit pause real quick and go and watch the movie and then come back and enjoy the show. This is exactly what happened during the Great Herring War. <laughs> The Great Herring War? Yes, between the Lindstroms and the Johanssons. Oh, that Great Herring War. <laughs> the two families controlled the most fertile herring waters off the coast of Norway, so naturally it seemed like it would be in their best interest to band together. Oh, boy, was that a mistake. You see, they couldn't agree on what to do with the herring. Oh, well, that's understandable. I mean, the possibilities are overwhelming. <laughs> Exactly. The Johansons wanted to pickle the herring, and the Lindstroms wanted to train him for the circus. <laughs> Weren't they kind of hard to see riding on the elephants? <laughs> oh, not that kind of circus. It, a herring circus. Sort of like SeaWorld, uh -huh. only smaller. <laughs> much, much smaller. <laughs> But bigger than a flea circus. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, tell me, Rose, um... <laughs> did they ever shoot a herring out of a cannon? <laughs> Only once. <laughs> shot him into a tree. <laughs> After that, no other herring would do it. Oh. <laughs> Ma'am, your husband burned. You didn't by any chance lead him to the lake blindfolded. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Surviving Chick Flicks. I'm John. I'm Sammy. And I'm Joseph. And we introduced ourselves this time. Yay! And Progress. we have another guest joining us this time. COVID. <laughs> we didn't really invite him. He just showed up. I know. He was uninvited. Nobody likes it's, him. It's the Urkel of... <laughs> Uh, well, this week we are we're recording a day before the day that was supposed to be Betty White's 100th birthday. So we're going to pay a tribute to one of our four uh, favorite Golden gr Girls <laughs> with a movie she's barely in. Uh, <laughs> this week we are talking about the 1999 classic uh, Lake Placid. <laughs> Um, so what we're going to do real quick is we're going to play the trailer and then I'm going to list the cast and then Sammy's going to start yelling. <laughs> it has existed since prehistoric times. 
It was worshipped by primitive cultures. It can kill a man with one crushing bite. We heard a man was bitten half. Any recent bear attacks? Bears don't attack people underwater. Probably a fever then. What was that? Whatever's out there who shot with this is dead. Oh no. Sheriff, how many deputies you got? You came here to help you find it. We can't let him kill it. Experience a few parts mystery. Do you have any theories why he's here? Honestly, I don't know. And a few parts... <laughs> ...missing. It's a human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh, my God. Bill Pullman. Shoot him! No! How much of a wacko is this guy? Bridget Fonda. Mother. Oliver Platt. Maybe swim back up. Maybe not. I just have this feeling everything's totally safe. This summer, the Earth's oldest creature has just found a new home. Lake Placid. All right. Lake Placid, starring Betty White, Bridget Fonda, Bill Pullman, Oliver Platt, Brendan Gleeson, Meredith Salinger, an uncredited Adam Arkin, written by David E. Kelly, and directed by Steve Miner. Um, we're going to, st- before Sammy starts yelling, we're going to start the way we all do, always do. Um, Joseph, Sammy, when was the first time you saw this movie? I have a feeling Sammy knows when the first time she saw this movie was. <laughs> I, I think so too. I think we I'm all know. I'm just going to go ahead and make this easy and just say yesterday. <laughs> also, we're going to have to get to, I, we're, we're going to get to my question next because I feel like for some reason y'all are anticipating me yelling at you. Which I think is going to make this a particularly fun episode because it doesn't mean you know my reactions very well. The first time I watched it, I don't think I got to see it in theaters, but I did watch it a lot as a kid. Uh, of course, what was what was it, 99? I don't remember how old yeah. I was. forget. I want to say 13, 14 years old, but I did. I, had I was. Like, my grandfather had a video store, so I, it was one of those like, yeah. ooh, Killer Croc movie. I want to see this. Let's see. According to this, it came out July 16th, 1999. So I was 17. It was a very good year. Um, And I saw this in theaters. And I saw this in theaters as part of a family movie outing. (laughs) I didn't even try to convince my parents to go see this movie. Because, I mean, I was 17. I could have gone on my own. But for some reason... Uh, and so it would have been a Sunday, but me and my parents went to see this movie. <laughs> and two of us weren't horrified. Let me guess, you and your dad. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is one of mom's favorite movies. She has it on a perpetual loop in her home. But yeah, um, I, I, remember, I remember having a, just kind of having a blast with that. And I think uh, and so that would have been the summer of uh, Phantom Menace and Blair Witch. So that was the summer I spent like every week at the movies. Well, <laughs> it was just that, the first Matrix came out that uh, that summer too. 
That one didn't count because I didn't see that in, in the theaters until this year, last year. Well, there's something wrong with you because my dad made me go watch it with him because he said, I just saw The Matrix. You need to go watch it. It's like, oh, yeah, when do you want to go see it? He goes, right now. I saw the 13th I want, floor. In the I want to go shows. see it again. Yeah. Nobody remembers that movie. Nobody has, except for me. I went. It was one of those, one of the, one of the early times John went to see a movie and drove home to Chandler angry. <laughs> it's a 20 minute drive. I do have to ask the same question I asked last week. I think this is going to be like a new installation or segment. Okay. Explain yourself. Do y'all think, <laughs> what is your, what's your best guess? Do y'all think I survived? I think you survived. I, I think you didn't survive, and this is your last week on the show. <laughs> I, well, let me rephrase. I think you survived, and this is definitely your last week on the show. <laughs> I think you didn't Reasons, survive. I don't know why. <laughs> I, think you, I think you didn't survive, but you're not quitting the show, but it's out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, John, why do you think I didn't survive? I'm really curious. Um, probably because um, when you started watching this movie, you sent a group t- uh, text to the group chat that said, you didn't tell me this is a horror movie. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah. And also, in my defense, this movie, I, I don't even think of this movie as a horror movie because... I don't either. Yeah, it's... Other than, like, a moment or two, this is a comedy. Yeah, the very first is actually the most horror the very opening is the most horror you get out of this movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's some moments later, but it, the, the opening of this movie sets the tone for a much darker movie than we didn't get. <laughs> it does. It, it kind of reminds, this kind of reminds me of deep blue sea. Everybody, nobody really counts that as a horror movie either. because It's so fucking stupid. Um, you are not in the horror group sign in, sir. <laughs> and also, Deep Blue Sea is a very much loved and respected movie. <laughs> I, I love, I love Deep Blue Sea. Yeah, it's... and it came out this same summer. Jesus Christ, there was a lot of bangers that came out that summer. Uh huh. And Detroit Rock City, a movie <laughs> that only I love. <laughs> I like that movie. It's just been a long time. All right. Okay, a movie that you and I love, but only I was excited to go see. <laughs> okay, so I have to ask. Hmm. For a Betty White tribute, why this film? Okay, so there are no movies that I know of outside of maybe something made for TV where Betty White was the star, the focal point. I think with this generation, we kind of think of, you know, because Betty White had been acting since, what, the 40s? Um, she, I think this generation that we're in kind of sees the foul-mouthed, sassy grandma. And I think this movie is the beginning of that because prior to this, I only thought of her as Rose from the Golden Girls because I didn't grow up on Mary Tyler Moore, but I grew up on this, on that. I also kind of remember right. her and uh, <clears throat> Rue McClanahan being on Mama's Family. So that was... Kind of, so I knew her as this sitcom lady, and here's a movie where you know, she basically has a really glorified cameo in it, but it's a memorable cameo, and it's a meme-worthy cameo, because in this movie, and I'm just going to go ahead and spoil my best line and get it out there, is whenever she tells, tells Mad-Eyed Moody 
that if she had a dick, this is where she would tell her to tell him to suck it. Oh, uh, like, you're still everyone's favorite line. That that is yes, the best line I almost I almost sent a group text like no one should pick this line <laughs> because we're I, all I had something else, but I lost it. So oh. I yeah, I while we're podcasting, I'm gonna have to be searching IMDb quotes yeah. to try and jog my memory. Because my and my best line is definitely I mean my worst line's definitely not in there. And it was something that was memorable, but I just like I I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. I, only have, not, I have a worse line, but it is something that in, in 1999 was probably a knee slapper, and now I'm reading this, you know, hearing this line. I heard it twice, <laughs> and I'm just like, this line does not work, but we'll get to that later but, when we're talking. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, my favorite line is not even, one of my favorite lines is not even uttered by Betty White. <laughs> yeah. I do like her lines, though. Mm-hmm. And we should go ahead and because I mentioned the writer, which is something I don't really do unless the writer, uh, ha, you know, is like special. Like I'm going to mention it on a Sorkin thing or, you know, if the movie was written by a woman. But this movie was written by David E. Kelly. Does that name mean anything to anybody? No. Okay. David E. Kelly is only one of the most respected television writers ever. And let me give you a couple of shows. This man created Doogie Hauser, MD, Picket Fences, Chicago Hope, The Practice, Ally McBeal, Boston Public, Boston Legal, Goliath, Pretty Little Lies, Mr. Mercedes, Big Sky, and Nine Perfect Strangers. I said he's done a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's also married to Michelle Pfeiffer, and he was also the man behind that god awful Wonder Woman thing that they n- nearly did with that god awful costume. That was basically like, what if Ally McBeal was a superhero? Yeah, I'm so glad that didn't get picked up. Yeah. <laughs> or, did I say Supergirl or Wonder Woman? Either way, it didn't you matter. Said what if, okay, it I think Wonder it was Wonder Woman. Woman. Yeah, but, but that that was a moment where uh, the costume leaked and the and the internet just went no. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't. Also, this movie is directed by Steve Miner. Joseph, does that name mean? anything to you uh, vaguely okay because i guarantee you you own at least three if not more movies re- uh, directed by this man because in addition to this um he directed friday the 13th part two yep friday the 13th part three definitely house definitely warlock i have that <laughs> halloween h2o I have that too. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I have a shitload of his movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that remake of Day of the Dead. I, I don't have that. <laughs> um, Texas Rangers. I've never seen that, but I remember the cover. Yeah. Just James Vanderbeek holding a gun, looking like, oh, they're cosplaying cowboys. <laughs> yeah, that's all I remember of that movie. Yeah. He also direct, he, he His film career is interesting because he did start, you know, in production because he was actually a, a producer and assistant director on the first friday the 13th which yes you own that and night of the creeps which i don't know if you own that one <laughs> i don't but i do want it but i do it is worth it but he also he either directed horror classic or absolute train wreck because in addition to those uh, actual good movies that we just listed off plus the day of the dead remake he also directed soul man you Jeez. know 
the C. Thomas Howell blackface movie. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. He directed Wild Hearts Can't Be Broken, the Disney movie that let a blind girl uh, ride a horse into a, off of a diving board into a pool. <laughs> and um, his last credit as a director was the Academy Award-nominated Private Valentine, Blonde and Dangerous, starring Jessica Simpson. <laughs> so. What the fuck happened? <laughs> Uh, his agent probably called him the way uh, Joey Tribbiani's agent and said, if you want your health insurance, you have to direct something now. <laughs> and he said, what's shooting tomorrow? <laughs> That's bad. He's made some great movies, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he also uh, co-ed- He also worked- was an assistant editor on Last House on the Left and assistant editor on Video Vixens, whatever that is. <laughs> kind of makes more sense now. I have to say... I don't even really know where to start with this film. It's utter chaos, but it's also kind of brilliant. I think one of the uh, one of the most brilliant aspects of this is the dialogue is not that great, but it doesn't have to be. They no. took what is essentially a B movie, and they shoved a lot of A list actors in it. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Oh, and we left out Mariska Hargitay <laughs> showing know. up for one scene. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure she uttered my worst line, but I can't remember what it was. I know she taught Bridget Fonda how to how to breathe again. Also, can we just talk about how Bridget Fonda is just missing? I know. She, I forget how much I really liked her in movies mm-hmm. and how much I miss her in movies after watching this game. It's like, why isn't she doing more stuff? Well, I know why Phoebe Cates isn't because, you know, she married Kevin Klein and got pregnant and decided she liked being a mom instead, which... You know, more power to her, but this actually makes the second uh, Bridget Fonda movie we've covered for the show because she was in Jackie Brown. Yeah, she was great in that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I I really loved her character in this. She was somebody that, you know, you completely understand why she would be so pissed off. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she is completely justified in just not wanting to be there. <laughs> yeah. Although... I, I gotta slight this movie for a little bit of something. Um, there's a lot of main slander here. <laughs> the way yeah, she so un- so unnecessary too. <laughs> yeah, like the way she was talking about Maine, it's just like, do you mean Alabama? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, that's and, not and, where you are. <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, I I do think they did a good job of making her character a very uptight New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Who looks down on non-New Yorkers and considers Maine like they consider the rest of the U.S. That is just a state that exists that wishes it was New York. Um, <laughs> but, I I mean, I don't know. I kind of loved it. And I thought the scenery was fantastic. Like, New England, I, my personal opinion, New England is, like, one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like, it's just, it's absolutely gorgeous. Yep. This was shot in British Columbia, Canada, by the way. Yeah, well, still, giant crocodile and all. (laughs) And Maine is basically Canada. That's fair. (laughs) Except except, uh, Maine did one thing that uh, the other 49 states collectively didn't. Maine let uh, Stephen King uh, buy a radio station and take it over. (laughs) I'm not joking. (laughs) I know you're yeah, not. <laughs> which, uh, you know, makes them even more suspect. 
Hey, if uh, you know you were a rich, famous author, and you weren't doing cocaine anymore, and you just had money sitting around, you'd buy a radio station. True. This is probably true. Yeah. So okay, but but speaking of speaking of Kelly, mm-hmm. I think this I think the question that they kind of asked throughout the entire film, but never really gets answered, and I think it's kind of brilliant, is why in the world did the museum send her there in the first place? <laughs> okay. Because all right. For those who haven't seen the movie, why are you listening? <laughs> Go back and watch this. But um, because whenever um, the guy in the opening that gets bit in half, whenever the the medical examiner pulled a tooth out and the tooth was appeared to have been possibly from the prehistoric era. So it was kind of in her wheelhouse um, to go because if there was something, you know, closely related to a dinosaur, I guess. (laughs) They wanted to know about it. They wanted right. to know about it. And also because her boss needed to get her boss and uh, ex-boyfriend uh, needed to get her out so he and Detective Benson could go, you know, and that doesn't crimes like, together. That doesn't really explain why she stayed, which, I mean, I kind of feel like she explains why she stayed. Like, she really, she was kind of missing some adventure in her life. And also. Yeah. Um, well, and she was there with Lone Star. Right, and he's a gym, and yes. you know, easy on the eyes. So I understand mm-hmm. why. Well, and she was there with a pre Harry Potter Mad Eyed Moody. Yeah, not as exciting. Yeah. Um. Although he was, he was great in this movie too. Yeah, because uh, one thing uh, we're gonna have to touch on is the uh, love story between his character and uh, Oliver Platt's character. <laughs> I love their relationship. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Their face is great. Yeah. Oliver it, Platt is just great. Yeah, and uh, Oliver Platt is on this little show that uh, you might have heard of, uh, Sammy called The West Wing. He pops up. He's also a gym in that. You should check it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have. Mm-hmm. No, you haven't because you See, haven't gotten... I'm just like okay. John hasn't figured this out yet, by the way. So this is a little sidebar because that's what we do on this show. You're never um, going to watch the show. I already know. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not that. It's not that at all. I already started watching the show and I like the show. But this is the way this is the way that Sammy works. Um, <laughs> she very much has to do things in her own time. And if she's ever told to do something, it very much I, I never grew out of that stage in life. Or if you tell me to do something, it absolutely makes me not want to do it. Okay, so if you if someone tells you to not do something, you're going to go do it? Not necessarily. Oh, um, damn. You saw through <laughs> what I was go- building to. <laughs> I mean, I, I should say it doesn't always work that way. But, like, the mood will strike me for mm-hmm. something. And, yeah, because guess what I also did not do during my run of COVID? You did Walk not watch Ted Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. <laughs> And, and you I could have much... watched the entirety of it by now, including the Claymation <laughs> Christmas special. No. I very, very much want to. I got the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes into it, and it just, in my little sick brain, I wasn't feeling good, and it wasn't what I wanted to watch. Like, it wasn't, it's good. I love him. Well, the way, and the first I... episode is all set up anyway, so. Yeah, I have a great amount of love for him, and I can already tell I will like the show. But it just was not, not what I was feeling. Um, yeah. So, I am now in season three 
of the show Younger because I have definitely been binging that since all of Friday and yesterday. So that's what I did instead. Okay, so you watched a show Joseph and I haven't heard of. Oh, I've heard of it. Just once, be on my side. <laughs> that, oh, I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I got, I, I think, I find it quite annoying. Oh my goodness, I love it. It was, it was exactly, it was exactly what I was looking for. Is that the one yeah. where the woman? Is that the one where the 40 year old woman decides she's gonna try to pass for 18 year old? 26. 26. Yeah, and I was just like, in what universe does anybody buy this? I will say that Porn. is the major flaw of the show. She is, don't get me wrong, Sutton Foster is beautiful. Oh, she's a beautiful woman. I'm not saying that. She's gorgeous, but in no world would I ever believe she was 26 years old. Now, could you the... convince me she was in her early 30s? Maybe. Yes. Yeah, I, I would have bought that. Hillary Dustage? No. Just so y'all know, um, every teenager in a horror movie from like 1981 to 1989 was at least 36 years old. So oh, I'm sure, but she did. But she they did look not like they're 26. Yeah, but they look like they're in their teens. She no, they don't. Like they're... <laughs> well, most you of go them. back and watch a Return to Horror High. <laughs> okay, I might be wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will admit that the that teenager is clearly 32 years old. <laughs> I will admit the show has that has that small issue of the fact that she does not particularly look 26. However, I am still thoroughly enjoying it. So no, I get what you I get why you enjoy it, and she is a she is a beautiful woman. I just it's just the whole time I was, I had to, because this is like one of the last few shows my ex would watch, and I it was on, so I watched it with her. <laughs> And I'm just sitting there, it's like, why does anybody think that she's anything remotely 26? She is a beautiful woman. She does not look 26. She doesn't act 26 at all. <laughs> but everybody's like, yeah, this this checks out. <laughs> I can't see. That's what I enjoy about it. It is quite amusing to watch <laughs> someone who's 40 and has an 18-year-old child trying to pretend they're a millennial. <laughs> How you doing, fellow kids? <laughs> it is the equivalent of that, and everybody was like, "Oh yeah, okay." <laughs> so you're you're saying that a forty year old playing a twenty six year old is as believable as a crocodile in Maine bringing him back to correct. <laughs> that is a good segue. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> If you like great PBS programs like Do Shut Up and Shut Your Gob, you'll want to support our pledge drive. Pledge drive. That's right, Betty White. Absolutely. If you watch even one second of PBS and don't contribute, you're a thief. A common thief. Okay, take it easy, Betty. Sorry, but these thieves make me so damn mad. <laughs> Actually, okay, no, so that does bring me to my, that brings me to my next question about the film mm -hmm. that we're supposed to be talking about. Okay, one of the things that made me go, like, if we had a Wait What segment on here, this would be my Wait What, is when, he, when they're first telling her about the accident, and he was like, yeah, they think it's probably a bear. I'm like, in what world is a bear swimming in the middle of the lake underneath <laughs> the water? I will uh, have you uh, refer back to Bear, Yogi, and possibly <laughs> there was an episode where he was swimming to get the ranger's picnic basket. I don't know. <laughs> 
it, but it's that trope of the monster movie. Like, no one is supposed to believe that the, you know, there's a 30-foot killer crocodile in the lake because, you know, first of all, no one wants Oliver Platt's character to be right immediately. <laughs> yeah, when you first well, meet, it's like, correct. no, he can't yeah. be right. And you're like, shit, he's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But I will very much agree with y'all that this is a comedy. And I have to oh, say yeah. That poor woman could not stay in the freaking boat. <laughs> By the way, Sammy, that was the text that motivated me. Like, I guess I should watch the Stan movie. Because <laughs> I was watching, like, literally anything else at that point. Yeah, you know what? It was really funny because I was not... I don't want to show my hand too early. But I was not in the mood to watch the film. <laughs> at all. Yeah. Because I didn't know anything about it. Like, you said Betty White. I literally was picturing some like drama. Like I was picturing um You were picturing on Golden Tomatoes, Steel Magnolias, <laughs> like yes, something in that realm. And I had no but, idea. And then I looked and I saw what it was about and I immediately got excited. So yeah, but anyway. You should have known something was up because Joseph uh I got excited about it way too quickly. <laughs> Well, I guess that's fair. I was like, but, yeah, this is a good movie. I like it. <laughs> I, I do think that this is really a stellar cast for mm-hmm. what this what this type of film is. Oh yeah, yeah everybody was well cast mm-hmm. in their roles. Like I, I don't think it would have worked if everybody wasn't cast in their roles the way they were. No, um, I, there there are a couple of people that you know probably could have found. Um, okay. You know, not to do the Bill Simmons casting what if, but imagine instead of Mad-Eye Moody, John Goodman. Okay, yeah, John Goodman would have fucking sold that, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that definitely could have worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, because John... I too, I believe he would want to kill Oliver Blatt, too. <laughs> and um, kind of recently with uh, the Meg, it's a little bit more of a sinister character, but Rain Wilson... You know, a Rain Wilson type could have taken the Oliver Platt role. I want Oliver Platt in this movie, but that's kind of the role that uh, all, um, Rain Wilson brought to the Meg, which is not a good movie, but boy, do I enjoy it! <laughs> oh yeah, I I kind of enjoy I kind of enjoyed that too. And you also kind kind of uh, threw me a bone. I got really excited because when she showed up and then Bill Pullman showed up, I was like, okay, so. Y'all gave me a little love story, and I'm very excited. So that that also kept me invested. Mm-hmm. There were two love stories. Three, kind of. <laughs> Not really. There was really just okay. one. Okay, it was a love story, a lust story, and then a bickering old couple. <laughs> right, and the bickering old couple was fabulous. I adore mm-hmm. them, but... Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that so... Was... Well, there, there's kind of a love story with a third love story if you count uh, Oliver Platt's character uh, with the crocodile because he he was fascinated with that crocodile. He was. Um, <laughs> it it almost uh, he was fascinated in in the same way that all of the characters in Dirty Work talked about uh, um, Christopher uh, McDonald's character, like, he's screwing that dog. (laughs) (laughs) Which, if I can find a way to put dirty work on the schedule this year, we're doing it for Bob and Norm. (laughs) Okay, so here's a question I have. 
Do you think that this particular script was written and then they went out and they got an appropriate cast for it and they bribed them with whatever, a good time, lots of booze, I don't know. Or do you think that pieces of the script were written with certain characters in mind? And the reason I ask is because it seems like it was very on brand for a lot of them. Like, Bill Pullman, this was, to me, this was very on brand for him. Like, it was a very him type of character to play. And I understand it was probably different for Betty White at that time, but that's like, that's how we know her now. The way, the way a lot of writing tends to be is a writer will sell a script and David E. Kelly is one of those guys that, you know, he has an idea. Someone, usually Fox, is going to let him run with it for at least five, six episodes. Um, if not, you know, four years, five years, seven years, however long some of those shows he's created goes on. So I don't know if this is necessarily his idea because um, I didn't have a commentary to listen to and nothing in the research I did points to it but i'm sure david kelly wrote a monster movie and then the cast was picked just probably like rehearsal you know like not rehearsal auditions and then once the cast was set he probably tailored a lot of it for the individual actors because oliver platt just feels like he's playing an oliver platt character bill pullman is playing the bill pullman character bridget fonda is pretty versatile but she's you know playing to a type that she has so i can see him going back and in a written like in a polish just kind of you know tweaking it for these actors yeah because right and they probably left them at living at time as well too especially of oliver platt (laughs) well and that's the thing i don't know because uh david e kelly is that good of a writer he this could have been either improv or just something that came out of David E. Kelly's head. That's kind of, that's kind of like, that was sort of my question because I didn't know, like a lot of what they did shouldn't have worked, but Mm -hmm. it really did. And I didn't know if that was just his writing, like he knew the character so well or them really like them using them, being skilled enough to use the material correctly. Like the severed head bit, you know, where she kept getting hit with the severed heads. It really should not have worked, but it did. I, I think anything can work as long as you have the right cast, and they were blessed on that. On that, But, yeah, I mean, that, that gag could have, you know, fallen on its face. Uh, or even you know, the every weird time. thing with the lady that lived out there, and you come to find out that she's doing these, like, ritual sacrifices with her poor cows which by the way okay can we talk about this for a second <laughs> where was PETA they must they, not have existed in the 90s because no, those poor cows well she's the only person that li- lives with they, they dropped the line early in the film that the only people living out in that area was, a, was like an older couple and she's half of that older cu- couple so and and they even had a line in the movie about PETA as well. Mm-hmm. And well, the I irony that, like, I, that I kept thinking that cow, the one that they hung from the uh, helicopter, I don't know mm. if that was CGI or what, but it should have <clears> been because that was awful. Um, it was a real cow, and he was hanging from a crane, and he was fine because uh, PETA is on set. I was just gonna say, I I twenty twenty could never. Like, I mean, I, I just, uh, we're not in 2020 anymore. We're in 2022. 
No, you can do that. It's just as long as the uh, now it is going to be more CGI. But I mean, uh, the movie Serial Mom. There is a moment whenever a fly is killed on set, and Peta literally had a rep on set to make sure no actual fly um, was injured. And this is the only moment I have respect for Peta because the Peta rep on set, like. I acknowledge how stupid this is. <laughs> yeah. But they can't have that. No uh, animals were harmed or killed on set. You know, that, you know, they can't have that in the credits that, you know, if no one was on set making sure. Okay, I'm all... just going to, like, go out on the limb here. And I'm. you can cancel us if you want and say flies are not animals. Look, when the PETA rep is telling John Waters that they understand how stupid it is that they're here making sure a fly is not harmed. But um, I'm also, uh, and um, I know this is a Betty White tribute, two things. Number one, the irony is uh, Betty White was a huge PETA supporter because uh, she was very much about animal rights and animal safety. And that was part of her activism as an actress. And uh, the <clears throat> other thing I have to say is PETA can go fuck itself because uh, no one kills more uh, dogs and cats every year than PETA. That's also very true. Yeah. Insert applause sound here. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> okay, so is there anything else y'all want to discuss before moving into the segments? I have some questions. Uh, number one... Uh, how did you uh, take the opening of this movie whenever a guy just gets bitten in half? <laughs> and how me? angry were you? Yeah, and how angry me? were you at us? Oh, it didn't bother yes, me you. at all. I saw Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. Okay, glad you brought up Jurassic Park. I mean, Lost the... World. That was the one where thing. the guy gets ripped in half. Well, I'm glad you brought up Jurassic Park because the animatronic alligator was created by Stan Winston, who created the dinosaurs for that movie. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, and the CG, the little bit of CG they have in here holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Because they, they did it like Jurassic Park. They used it sparingly, like only when it was necessary. Yeah, like whenever they needed to, you know, have a crocodile eat a bear. <laughs> yeah, because it was just, that was, I forgot, that part was great. Because that was the deep blue sea moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, we don't have Sam, Sam Jackson. What are we going to do? Just have the crocodile eat a bear. So I don't know how like low budget this film was, but I think they used their budget fairly well. Uh, See, um, fairly low budget, I would assume. They had, uh, the budget was estimated to be between $27 and $35 million. Yeah, that's a decent budget. That's pretty healthy. Yeah, and it took in a box office of 56.9. Uh, great. Yeah. Profitable enough to get like five direct to sci fi channel sequels. Yeah, those are all terrible. <laughs> I really wish at least Lake Placid 2 was like a true Lake Placid 2 and it I picked too. up with, you know, at least some of these characters and not um, the Duke of Hazard that answered the phone. Yeah, because they could have done like a Jurassic Park thing where uh, Oliver Platt would have been the Malcolm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just coming back and just having like PTSD. <laughs> I, I think the way the movie, I mean, the way the movie ends, it's teasing um, 
that because um spoiler alert there were two crocodiles and guess what they uh smashy smashy and uh <laughs> create little baby crocodiles and um the movie ends with it being t- with the the gator that lived or the crocodile that lived being carried away somewhere on a truck bed and the little babies you know a lot still alive in lake placid give us the movie of the crocodile going ape shit wherever it went and bring back those four people. You can still do this today. You would just have to convince Bridget Fonda to, you know, do something again. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Oliver Platt would love to come back and do this role again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They just all would have aged, like, almost 20 years. Well, I mean, hey, we did it once with Bill Pullman on Independence Day. Maybe this time it would be good. <laughs> That's true. Oh, my God. One day we're going to do a Roland Emmerich uh, movie on this podcast, and it's just going to be me yelling about how he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so are we ready to move on to segments? Yes, I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Do, uh, okay, I do have another question. Uh, Sammy, do you have a creepy or chromantic? You know, I don't think I do, oddly enough. Weirdly enough, I do. Go oh, okay. for it. Okay, and I'm just going to ask you this as a woman. Probably not. Yeah. But what if it was Oliver Platt? <laughs> also, probably not. <laughs> okay. No. I didn't know if no. that made it any better or not. So, so fun oh fact. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that did remind me. That reminded me of my other best line. Oh, okay. Okay, I think I was about to say it. But um, fun fact, the office, uh, the sheriff, Officer uh, Sarah or whatever her name, name is, um, it's played by Pat Oswalt's current wife. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Because when I saw her name pop up, I was like, I know that name. They're on a podcast that's currently building up in my to-be-listened-to pile. <laughs> uh, in case you didn't know, Joseph, Pat Oswalt and his wife have a podcast called Did You Get My Tech? I figured they had one. It just right, started. So... <laughs> really? Yeah. Let me have our Not moment. For... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> moment's over now <laughs> now that we're on the subject of um lines okay do y'all have best line other oh, than have... betty white's line yeah oh, yeah betty... so that's um, off limits one of my favorites is call me ma'am one more time and i will sue you and with today's laws it's possible <laughs> that is a good one yeah Joseph? i also oh my I have two that I really love, and they're from Oliver Platt. Okay. Uh, one is where he's they're on the boat rowing, and he's not even rowing. Uh, he's on his computer. <laughs> he's like, oh, we had sex. She's like, we did. I never had sex with you. He goes, see, that's the problem. I'm terrible in bed. They never remember. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that line, yeah. <laughs> and my second most favorite one is whenever he's building the traps, and Brandon, uh, Brandon Gleason's character just is out there to take a piss and he's starting to fi- try to inspect what's going on. And he's like, what are you doing out here? He's like, what is going on? He goes, he's out here. Scare me with his wiener. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's scaring the shit out of me. Um, Sammy, do you have one before I say another one? Yeah, I do. It's also an Oliver Platt line. <laughs> uh, when they're, when they're all like partying in the tent 
and uh-huh. the sheriff comes in and he tells he tells his deputy to leave or whatever and he goes oh can she stay a little longer we were planning on mating yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay so this may surprise you but uh, then the line i want to say comes from also oliver platt when he's holding up a toe that's to Brittany Gleason and says, is this the man that was killed? <laughs> he seemed taller. Yeah. <laughs> I I also love Mayor Salinger's line at the at the helicopter of like, I will have sex with you if you get back in the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. What was it? Another one. Oh, was, okay. I think you okay. hurt his feelings. I don't care. Do you care? No, I don't care. He's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do y'all have any worse lines? I have one, and it's a Brendan Gleeson line, and it's after um, Oliver Platt delivers the line of, uh, you can chew the bar- bark off of my big fat log. And this line is just clunky and doesn't really work anymore. Whenever he says, was that a homosexual remark? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I think that line was probably, you know, a knee slapper back in 1999. And now in 2022, it's just like, it just doesn't work anymore. Do you got one, Sammy? I did. And it was in that very first scene between her and Detective Olivia Benson. And I cannot remember the line. So the only one I it was when they're in the tent and. I can't remember exactly what he she says to make him go. He goes, yeah, and you have fantastic boobs. I was like, that way that line was delivered was just really bad. <laughs> it's one of the few times that uh, Oliver Platt just didn't deliver a line I thought was really good. Go for it. Called, did John approve of the soundtrack? Oh, did right. Soundtrack? Yeah. Kind of. This movie <laughs> had three. This movie had three songs in it. <laughs> <laughs> One of which was uh, It's Not Unusual by Tom Jones, so automatic fail. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Okay, go listen to John Mulaney's uh, Salt and Pepper Diner bit, and you'll never be able to listen to that song ever again. <laughs> no, it reminds me of you know what we should do uh, on this podcast? I don't know why I never picked out. Maybe I'll pick it for a manly movie of the month. House Arrest. Mm-hmm. And because of that movie, I have like, there's like a special place for that song for me. Oh, gotcha. Or we could do Mars Attacks, which actually has Tom Jones. That's true. Yeah. We could probably get guests on that one. Not COVID guests. Real guests. <laughs> 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 All right. But no, um, it wasn't there was music in the show in, in this movie and it wasn't that great in, in the end. Yeah, I don't really remember the music that much in this movie. Yeah, there was like a song in the beginning because it was like a happy 60s era song and then the guy got bitten in half so that uh, went away. <laughs> and then the Tom Jones at the party and then I don't remember what the other one was. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. Although, fun fact, Bill Pullman and Bridget Fonda were in another movie that has an amazing soundtrack and it's one of Joseph's favorite films. What's that? Singles. Oh, I hate that movie. <laughs> so, what's fun the time I was going to have Joseph go through all of the uh, Cameron Crowe movies and it died after Singles because <laughs> he hated that movie so bad. It's just like, it's about to get better. I was like, it needs to because I'm dying on this movie. Yeah. Well, the next movie was Jerry Maguire, so. Yeah, oh my God, that movie's so good. Oh, we could have added Jerry Maguire for sports flicks. 
All right, well, we'll do that. We'll we'll talk about that after the show. Because <laughs> we haven't t- teased that on the show yet, I don't think. Okay, well, spoiler alert, y'all. Things are happening. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> I think Sammy's desperately trying to move, move us into the next segment. <laughs> no, I'm just really bad at segues. Um, <clears throat> so... This is our this is our old segment. Hold on, new hold on. Oh, that that reminds me of the old George Carlin line. He's like, I don't do transitional material, so now we're on Barnes. <laughs> um. So yeah, this is our old segment, new name, because we've decided to get creative. Um, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, uh, what do y'all have for good? Um, everything that happened between the Fox logo and the credits. <laughs> And this is going to be a problem for uh, the Bad and the Ugly segment because this is one of those movies that it's almost hard to criticize things because because at the the heart of this movie, it is a B-monster movie. It is, you know, the Killer Crocodile movie. It's Jaws, except instead of, you know, being taken seriously, you know, you got some actors with some great comic timing and made it a comedy. Because the entire time I was watching this, I'm like, this is Jaws. This is just a funny Jaws with a crocodile. It it is. It's yeah. Because it, even in this movie, you have the inept government because uh, the wildlife department is not going to show up and help until they've already blowed up the monster. Yeah, because even if the joke kind of falls flat, it's still it's not it's not anything that you go like, oh well, that was sucked. It was just more of like, mm-hmm. okay, well, it just wasn't as good as the other joke. But I I love the fact that this did kind of. Usher in, and we're going to tie. And I feel like we'll talk a little bit more about Betty White in a little bit, but how this did kind of usher in another era of Betty White because, she, and she's had so many. And, you know, this kind of brought her in for the, you know, for Gen X and Millennials and the new, you know, the, the ones after that, that I can't keep up with the, the generational names anymore who, you know, this began the meme that be- of Betty White. It did, because everybody... I remember when this movie came out, everybody was talking about, like, I can't believe Betty White did this movie. It's, this is She's never done this before. Like, yeah, or, she's never been had this opportunity. That's the only yeah. reason she had. And, and we're all better were, for it. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what everybody talked about, because it was just so different for Betty White to do. Mm-hmm. And, but, and, and also, if you, the more you kind of learn about Betty White, it's honestly within her wheelhouse. I mean, this is something she would do because she was she was bold. She was one of those taking risks and, you know, doing stuff that, you know, was either morally right or just like, oh, someone's going to hate this. I, I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's like her tweet, whether it's a real tweet or not. Of, Welcome to Peterotica on tape. I'm Betty White, reading The Hot Chick Who Was Italian, or maybe some kind of Spanish, by Peter Griffin. Chapter One. Oh, God, you should have seen this one hot chick. She was totally Italian. Or maybe some kind of Spanish. Oh, yeah. Getting hot in here. I better take my shirt off. All right, Joseph, do you have anything good? (laughs) Kind of... I think John's pretty much said it. It's like everything in this movie, I just, I can't say there's anything bad in it. I loved everything about this movie. All the characters were just, just meshed well together. Like everybody played off each other very well. And of course, 
anytime Oliver Black came on, you're just like, this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Because he was just, he stole the show. And he was a character that you were supposed to hate, but you end up kind of loving. Mm-hmm. But it's just the I, I think the whole movie is just really well done. Yeah. I can't I can't just pick one thing. Okay, so my my good really is this. Um to me what this movie was was like I have a special place in my heart for this type of genre. It's like the B version of Jurassic Park. It's like Jaws, Anaconda. Um like that's that's what this reminded me of. And I actually love those type of movies. Do not take offense to this, John. But this is everything Sleepaway Camp should be. Like, it is a, it is proof to me why movies like that bother me. Because you can take a B-movie concept, a really kind of dumb monster movie with, um, you know, an average script that's meant to be funny. And if you put the right people in it and you put effort into it it can be really good and i think this movie is like a perfect perfect example of that well in defense of some things i don't know if it's (laughs) this or sleepaway camp here's here's the difference uh here's the real difference you said this is a how did you put it like you know the b movie type right well okay yeah this is the b movie type sleepaway camp is the b movie you said this had a really strong script. I love Sleepaway Camp to death. That script is probably was probably written in crayons. You have a, and then you said you put really good actors in this, and well, <laughs> was an Anaconda crossover movie. Oh no! Lake oh, Lake no. Placid versus <laughs> Anaconda. Oh no! It's yeah. really bad. Oh no! Yeah. Like, so, whatever you're thinking, times it by ten. <laughs> the most recent uh, Lake Placid sequel came out in 2018. See, I just like uh, look. If I think you're gonna, I think if you're gonna do a film like this, you have got, you just have got to put actors in there that know what to do with that material. Yes, but at the same time. Uh, Michael Caine could not accept his Academy Award because he was too busy on set of Jaws the Revenge, a movie that did go to theaters. (laughs) (laughs) The shark roared in that movie. (laughs) The shark was on a revenge mission in that movie. So, oh my gosh. Everyone loves to talk shit about Jaws 3. I maintain that Jaws the Revenge was the worst and it had an Oscar winner in it. So, <laughs> at least Lake Placid 2 had John Schneider in it, a man who has won no awards. And I feel bad saying that because I've met the man. He was very nice. <laughs> okay. So, not that our audience has not figured it out by now. <laughs> But we always ask the question just for formality's sake and because it's the name of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, John, do you want to do, do the honors? Oh, I question? will do the honors. So, Joseph, Sammy, unlike a cow, did you survive? <laughs> Terrible. I am. Joseph. Oh, are you going to go or do you want me to go? You can go. Okay. 
uh, of course I survived. I love this movie. And I hadn't seen it in a long time. I can't remember how many years. But after watching it again, it's like, oh my God, I can't, I forgot how good this movie is. Everything in it is just, just near perfect. There's a couple clunky lines in it, but it's just a perfect B movie just to watch. Yeah. But yeah, I absolutely survived it. Sammy? Yeah, so I absolutely survived it. I loved it. In fact, to the point where it'll it'll be a rewatch. Like, I I don't think I would I don't think I'd ever argue with watching this movie. Uh, it was a really good time. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I like this type of film, and it caught me in a good spot. Now I was reser- I have to say I was reserving judgment because I was waiting for either um, Kelly or. Uh, Jack Wells to die and then that would have taken it down a notch I still would have survived but it wouldn't have been as strong but since they um, you know both survived and got to drive away in the truck I was good oh I just thought of a, another good line doesn't anybody in Maine make a move yes <laughs> <laughs> see and it almost lost me I thought she was going to stay out there and he was going to drive away but the fact they got in the truck together that sealed mm-hmm. the deal, and I was like, "Oh, that's even better." So, yeah, yeah no, I I definitely like this. This is a good pick, and Joseph has to go and ruin it next week. <laughs> we'll get oh, to that in a minute. But anyway, um, I, just please take that uh, text I sent you to heart about uh, not watching the sequels. Cause, oh no, I no, I won't. Yeah, and and I say that having never seen any of them. I I'm, saw the I'm, second I'm, one, and I've yeah. seen clips of the other ones, and I'm just like, no. You know. <laughs> I can't. It seems like something back when I was watching the. Um, I don't want to give him uh, credit, so we're just going to call him the Schmenen and a Schnob. It seemed they seemed like movies he would have covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, they're bad, but not <clears throat> in a fun way. They're just like this is sad, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's like this, like Meredith Salinger's husband would say. They were all about coulda, not shoulda. (laughs) But we're not talking about the sequels. We're talking about this one. And uh, and the question is, did John survive? Um, John survived this movie so hard that he didn't mind paying $14 to own own a digital copy of this on Vudu because nowhere had a DVD of this to save my life. But yeah, no, this movie is a lot of fun. I, I've loved this film since 1999, and it's one I don't watch enough. But I feel like this needs to be in like some kind of semi rotation. Like this could be like, even this movie, even though this movie doesn't, you know, isn't said at July 4th, it feels like it's a good double bill. Like it's the second feature you watch after Jaws. Like if you don't own Jaws 2, throw on Lake Placid. I could see that. So before we talk a little bit about Betty White, you know, I think we should acknowledge we've done three movies this year. They've all come out on time. I know we're very impressed. We're on a good roll for 2022. We are. I feel like next week, at least, you know, you know, we've survived three movies in a row and I feel that ends next week. Joseph gets to pick and Joseph, what in the, fuck are you making us watch <laughs> oh my god it's gonna be such a treat guys uh, also next week is joseph's last show he just doesn't know it yet <laughs> well it's the manly movie of the month 
And I wanted to talk about this movie on a podcast somewhere. I don't care how. <laughs> and unfortunately, you're doing it to ours. <laughs> yes, because you two have never seen it. I've unfortunately seen this many times. I fucking own it. <laughs> Someone on this podcast bought you a copy of this movie on Laserdisc. Yes, John, you did. <laughs> it was Christmas. six bucks. <laughs> It Which was a, $7 too much. Yeah. A, <laughs> <laughs> they should pay you to buy it. To yes. it. I'm really, I think you should have been mad. It's like, why aren't you paying me to take this from you? <laughs> I think <laughs> I was. <laughs> but it's the 1997 classic world don't combat you dare use that word okay i'm <laughs> sorry hold on i just got an image of john at the cash register with the with the salesperson trying to take the money from him and he's holding yeah. on to it yeah <laughs> all right i i talked over joseph say the name of the of the movie we're watching or or the unfinished piece of shit that we're watching next week <laughs> mortal combat annihilation ah, joseph is so it's, fired it's, <laughs> It's one of the worst movies ever made, and it's one of the most hilarious movies, too, because I don't think it's intentionally funny. <laughs> it's so bad. So basically, we're watching The so, Room next week. No, don't you dare sully the name of The Room with well, this. To, I'll let you understand what happened. I'm a huge Mortal Kombat fan. I love the Mortal Kombat franchise. That first movie came out, I loved it. It's still a classic to me. It's... Not all of it's hold up pretty well, but it's an early 90s, mid-90s movie with some early CGI. I could not wait for the sequel, and I watched it on VHS for the first time. I was like, I think I missed something. I got to rewind it and watch it again. And I watched it. It's like, it's weird. It's like this movie sucks. I don't get what's going on. <laughs> it's my, I could not comprehend. I just watched a garbage movie. <laughs> You know, Sammy, it's not too late to just, you know, fire him from the show and do a Nicholas Sparks movie next week. Oh, my gosh. We can, Anytime. We... I will have one prepared. I will have one prepared. And, okay, you know what? I will say, you have a leg up. Because as long as this movie does not have Tommy Wiseau's bare ass in it, there's I'm no, sorry. Think, it's a step up. I think up. there's going to be a certain point where you're going to miss the glory that was Tommy Wiseau in this movie. <laughs> But to be fair, this is the only movie all year that I've picked that is legitimately terrible. All the other ones I've picked this year are, are really <laughs> The rest good. of them are accidentally terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here is the fun part. And because um, Sammy and I were talking the other night and she goes, by the way, I've never seen the first Mortal Kombat. So should I, should I? And I was like, honestly, you kind of need to because... The when this when the first movie ends, this one begins. They they couldn't they pretty much recap it. <laughs> oh, so you could just watch Mortal Kombat they, Annihilation, knowing nothing. Yeah, you can because they go like, yeah, this is what happened in the first movie. You're caught up. <laughs> I I think I, I sold uh the first Mortal Kombat movie pretty pretty uh well to Sammy, where I was like, look, it's it's. It's a fun movie, but don't expect greatness. <laughs> oh, no. It is a cheesy, fun 90s movie. All righty. It has a Frenchman playing or an Asian. Who <laughs> <laughs> once upon a time, that same Frenchman played as a Scotsman. Yeah, he's done a lot of weird stuff. He has. I like the guy, though. Yeah. So, moving on from next week's Nightmare. 
um, since we are, since this is kind of our goodbye to Betty White, we're actually recording this, you know, the day before her hundredth birthday, and you're hearing this like probably five to six days later because it just depends on when John can get on the editing. <laughs> but growing up, I mean, what was your memories of Betty White? Like, what do y'all first associate with her? Well, me, I first associate with Golden Girls. That's how I knew her. That was the first thing I remember mm-hmm. ever seeing Betty White in was the Golden Girls, and not until and later on realizing, oh, she's been around way longer than that. Yeah, um, I I need I kind of want to do a deep dive on some of her stuff. Like, um, this is gonna probably shock a lot of people, but I never actually sat down and watched uh, an episode of um, the Mary Tyler Moore Show. From start to finish and apparently whenever uh, i just learned this tonight uh there's a youtuber i want to kind of give a shout out to uh matt baum he's a podcaster uh, who does uh, the sewers of paris but um he does a lot of uh videos on pop culture specifically on the lgbt history of uh, of television and cinema and things like that but he's done a lot of episodes on the golden girls and uh, his most recent one that actually dropped tonight. I was watching it, waiting on you guys to get on the call um, after the um, whatever happened before that, uh, that Sammy and I are not speaking about. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> he went into uh, kind of a history of the Golden Girls and how it became, how it came to be. And um, uh, I'm going to have to go back and finish it and why so many gay audiences love the show. But whenever they were putting it together, uh, originally they wanted Betty White in the role of Blanche because on Mary Tyler Moore, she was playing a uh, man hungry, you know, you know, kind of the Blanche type and Rue McClanahan. Uh, they wanted her for uh, Rose because she had played a similar character on Mama's family with also starring Betty White at, you know, on some episodes. So when, whenever they uh, were reading, the director had them switch roles, and it became the show we know and love. Uh, I've actually seen a few episodes, especially ones with Betty White in it. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Mm-hmm. It is. It's really good. Yeah, I, I, there is a. As much as I love the '70s and music and uh, film, a lot of the TV is a huge blind spot for me, and I feel bad about that because I, I feel like I've seen a lot of six, you know. 50s and 60s television and of course 80s and 90s because you know that's whenever i was growing up but 70s was, is such a blind spot for me like basically outside of mash and some episodes of all in the family and welcome back Otter. okay i've seen some 70s television <laughs> stop hounding well, me you can definitely see where a lot of other uh sitcoms were influenced by mary tyler moore show like mm-hmm. they set a lot of standards that a lot of people still follow today yeah and like it's like it was pretty much it was pretty ahead of its time. It was because it was like one of the first shows to have like a single female lead, and she wasn't just uh, chasing after a man all the time. It was mm. all about what she was going through in her life. Yeah, she would she would have love interest, but that wasn't the focus of the show. No, because she was career driven too. Oh yeah, she was very career driven, and she didn't take shit from anybody. So. Shockingly to nobody, my um, you learned who Betty White was last week. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> um, my introduction to her wasn't really through television. I actually never really watched the Golden Girls. Um, you should because Quentin Tarantino appeared in an episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sure I would have liked it. I just, I, it was not. I, I think it hit at the wrong time for me. Um, it did. Yeah, so I never really watched it, uh, but I knew who she was. Just like every, like you know who I don't know Bob Hope is, right? Like yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen anything Bob Hope's been in, but he's like he's a legend, right? Yeah. So, and then as I got older, I started seeing some of the like her in smaller roles in like some of the romantic comedies, and that's why her role in the proposal is the one that stands out to me the most. But that's kind of my limited history with her. Yeah, um, my my history of her is very hardcore '80s era, and then you know things you know she'll pop up and stuff. She kind of became God. I hate comparing her to this person, but she kind of became like William Shatner, the the old legacy actor that you kind of bring in to you know spice up a moment, and you know you're like, hey, look, there's that person. Yeah, I know what you mean though, because. I because I think she's far more talented than William Shatner. <laughs> yeah, I'm, although I still stand behind the Wrath of Khan as one of the greatest movies ever made. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you and he things away from William Shatner, but he, let's face it, he he plays kind of the same character. <laughs> yeah, you know, he did a movie in Esperanto. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you know what Esperanto is? <laughs> But say I didn't know, why don't you explain it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, I mean, obviously all languages are made up, but it was this, someone tried to introduce this new language, the language of Esperanto, as sort of this, like, universal language, and they they made two movies in, in the language of Esperanto, one of which starred William Shatner, it was a horror movie called, I believe, Incubus? And um, I've seen like five minutes of it, and it was completely unwatchable. <laughs> you know, we should have done this episode with like a slice of cheesecake in front of us Aww. for Betty. Yeah, but um, but um, I know the people listening. You know, this is not going to help them at all. But tomorrow, the Hallmark Channel is doing like an all-day marathon of Golden Girls, and then she did like this Valentine's Day related movie for them and they're going to end like the tribute with that tomorrow. Well, to Betty White. To Betty White. And now that we have uh, shouted her out, does anybody have anything they want to shout out? Oh. We didn't do that last week. I can't think of anything. I do have like a very quick plug. I had a lot of people telling me to watch Emily in Paris. And while I have been out with COVID, um, I binged both seasons of it. It was fantastic and uh, 10 out of 10 recommend. Okay. And those same people, can y'all tell her to watch Ted Lasso? <laughs> <laughs> also, um, get her ill again so that she has time. Don't get her ill. Just, you know, have her use like an afternoon, you know, on a weekend when we're not recording to watch Ted Lasso. Like on a day <laughs> it's raining. Um, I. I don't. I have a tease of a shout out. Um, I saw Five Cream. I have thoughts on Five Cream, and we are going to get into Five Cream whenever um, the movie is available for rental, because with um, 
COVID's still going on. Um, I wanted to get our guests back on, but some of our guests did voice concerns about going to see in the theaters, and I one hundred and I was like, you know what, hundred percent get that. So we're pausing on the five cream reunion until then because the original plan was i think we were going to be doing it this weekend or next but um you know that just wasn't meant to be and that's fine i i i want to wait until it's safe for mark and mindy and uh karen to come back on so we can uh lay to rest the joke that was five cream (laughs) <laughs> that's not my opinion of the movie it is just uh, until I, I you know until i introduce the movie as five cream and hear karen you know debate trying to reach through the internet and kill me you know that's when we lay that joke to rest oh i do have one thing okay um sometime this week uh the part one of the last season of Ozark comes out, and I'm very excited for that. It really is wanting to be Netflix's Breaking Bad in it by doing like this two part, really long season, it isn't is, it? But it, it? You could definitely tell it's inspired by Breaking Bad, but it kind of does its own thing, and it it doesn't really live in its shadow. It kind of just goes on its own direction, yeah. which I really appreciate because it's it's a great show. Each season gets better and better. That like the last season was probably the best season thus far. Well, I guess I could bring up uh, also that I listened to the new album by The Weeknd because it's dropped and come out. Was it any good? Yeah. Um, yes, but nothing stood out. Gotcha. Like the last three albums have at least, you know, I had one to two songs set out. I mean, because you got the one that had I Can't Feel My Face and uh, The Hills on it. So those were standouts. And then, of course, Starboy had the two songs with uh, Daft Punk that were standouts. And after hours had you know blinding lights and several others and this one it kind of continues the sound of the after hours album um and has like it trying to do the same thing that that queen is queens of the stone age album where it's like you're listening to a radio broadcast and people like jim carrey came on to do like the radio bits and uh one of the safety brothers who made uncut gems is a guest on it and it's still got the same sound. It's just none of the songs stood out like they were the singles. So, hmm. yeah. So I'm probably going to do a deep dive in it, but the album starting off on a, the albums of the year list has begun. And uh, so far the weekend is not on it, but you know, it's subject to change in the next 11 and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Or whenever, you know, you know, before the end of November, whenever I break and it's just like, you know what, I'm done. <laughs> all right well as always thank you for listening yeah thank y'all for doing the episode with me but mostly we just want to say betty white thank you for being a friend surviving chick flicks is brought to you by the circle of jug the show is edited by john and all clips used are the property of their copyright holders and no infringement is intended Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave us a five-star rating at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get the show. If there's anything you would like us to cover on the show, or just drop us a line at survivingchickflicks at gmail.com. The show is copyright 2022. 
Circle of Jug Productions, all rights reserved. Law enforcement is very dangerous work, isn't it? And you have such big, wonderful boobs. <laughs>